0: Hello everyone and welcome to the CircuitPython Weekly for August 12th, 2019. This is the time of the week when we get together and talk about all the great things in the world of CircuitPython and uh, our community. So this uh, meeting happens every week at uh, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific time on Mondays typically uh, unless there's holidays or that sort of thing, in which case, sometimes we change it. Um, and if that happens, we will definitely let you know. Uh, which brings me to the fact that this meeting is recorded. We record both the audio and we record the Discord uh, Circuit Python channel. This meeting is held on Discord, where we have an audio channel that we get together in. And for those who don't have a microphone or uh, just don't want to talk, um, they are able to type into the CircuitPython channel. And so that is included in the recording. The videos are available on YouTube and sometimes on Diode Zone As well, uh, we uh, have them available as podcasts. So if it's not available as a podcast service or on your podcast service, uh, please let us know. Um, so we can take care of that. CircuitPython is sponsored by Adafruit, so please support them by purchasing hardware from adafruit.com. This meeting is held in, I believe, five parts. Um, We keep expanding it. And uh, the first part is community news, where we talk about things that are going on in the community of Python on hardware and CircuitPython. Uh, the next section is the state of CircuitPython in the libraries, which is a statistical overview of the entire project where we talk about it overall. Then we talk about the core, and then we talk about the libraries. The next section is Hug Reports, which is an opportunity to call people out for doing something good. And that section is held in a round robin where we will go through the list alphabetically starting with me and uh, loop back to the top and give everyone a chance to um, to give a hug report if they'd like to. The next section is status updates, which is also held in a round robin. It is an opportunity for you to take a few minutes to talk about what you've been doing over the last week and what you're going to be doing over the course of the following week. Um, it's a chance to sync up and uh, to hear what's going on With everyone in the community. Uh, And the last section we lovingly call in the weeds which is an opportunity for more long-form discussions things that don't quite fit into status updates um, or things that are just you know questions that maybe need um, further discussion uh, or group discussion. So if you do have anything you think fits in the weeds please uh, type it into the CircuitPython channel or add it to the notes doc. Um, there is a notes document that goes with this in case you're not into watching the video or you would rather read through it and then scan to the time. There will be timestamps and uh, it gives you the opportunity to um, read through the notes instead of uh, watching it or only watching the parts that are most important to you. So uh, in, in general, um, if you are listening to this later and you would like to participate, everyone is welcome. We have uh, the notes document and so if you want to be a part of it but you can't make it to the meeting, feel free to add your status updates and hug reports to the notes document and we read them off during the meeting so you can even participate um, if you're not able to actually participate. So that about sums up everything about the meeting. So we'll go ahead and get on with it, with the first thing being community news. And for that, I'm going to turn it over to Phil.
1: Hello, Katney. Hello. OK, I'm going to start posting up a bunch of links. It was CircuitPython Day on Thursday, 8-8. But it was also CircuitPython Week. And it was CircuitPython Weekend the weekend before that. And it was CircuitPython Weekend this weekend. Mm-hmm. Turns out it's pretty much going to be CircuitPython Month. So um, as the uh, notes and more come in from people who have done something with videos or photos, I'll be putting them in newsletter and blog posts, but here is a bit of a preview. So the first one is from the Linux User Group in Delhi and the Hardware Hackers Club. Those links in there. And they have videos, photos, they also have um, some great shots of everyone getting together, and the cake was on a lie. There was cake, but let me get a in the chat. Let me get a photo of the cake. There it is CircuitPython cake. So, this is second second CircuitPython cake that I'm aware of
2: mm-hmm.
1: in the world. Um, then, uh, the IoT makers in Israel did a CircuitPython workshop on 8.8. Uh, they had some hardware and more. Um, they also decided to do what a lot of um, hardware folks like to do is come up with a badge and then um, have a really uh, interesting time as the deadline approaches. DHL holds things in customs. Parts are late. All the things, if you ever wanna know what it's like to run an Adafruit, um, <laughs> it's kinda like that. Um, but it's uh, this is just for a conference badge. So it's the full story of design and manufacturing, hardware-packed PCB badge full of surprises. Um, it happened to be CircuitPython powered, so I included that in there as well. On Ask an Engineer, special guest Scott was here, and Scott and Lady to talk about CircuitPython and more. This is um, one of our regular shows, but we also spent a lot of time on CircuitPython on Thursday of last week, we did our history of CircuitPython, Python, and that was with Scott and Lady Ada again. And it goes through um, all the different r- reasons we do things, and also some forward-looking stuff. So do check that out. And then Katni did a recap of changing lives through open source passion and mentoring, and that was from Pi Ohio. But we um, we did a, a recap version where they all all of us talked about her journey and mentoring and all the folks that she's helped. Uh, many of them are here right now in this chat, so that's kind of cool. Next up, um, I'll be putting this in the newsletter and more. Nicholas is working on HyperCard, So for all the folks out there who know what HyperCard is, you'll really like this. It's a easy way to do um, GUI applications within uh, Python. So if you're looking for a simple Pythonic framework for beginners, uh, this makes it easy. To do that, and the good news is, um, you would be able to see your work on Windows, macOS, Linux, Android, iOS devices, all, all these things, um, because it just works. Also works on a Pi portal. That's where it came from. Um, also, new satellite platform um, powered by CircuitPython. Check it out. It is called PiCubed. This will be a blog post and a newsletter. So we, we've we hit space a couple times with CircuitPython. I'm looking for the underwater vehicles next for the checklist of things where CircuitPython's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> In other news, um, Seed is now using the uh, Feather form factor. And the chip that they're using is compatible with CircuitPython. So if someone wanted to do that, you could. I put that in the chat. And then um, two final things. Our latest video, R, is for robots out. And I'm trying to get everyone to um, take a look at this and send it to friends. So if you've heard about machine learning and artificial intelligence, um, if you believe one day robots are going to be programmed and be able to walk up to us and, and say hello one day, um, whatever the code that we put in and whatever our, our the best and worst of us are gonna be inside these things. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we wanted to have something where, you know, make robot friend, not robot enemy. So this is our our latest musical for kids, but it's also for adults who are working on all this stuff. So it goes through our um, coloring book, R is for robot, and it has Adabot and a lot of interesting things. We also had the same philosophy when we were doing our CircuitPython robotics. How do we do projects and more that are not um, things that just shoot stuff? Um, It's robot friends that maybe you could have fun with. And then last up, um, this is, I guess, for folks who may want to do broadcasts where you have guests. um, You can watch us real time, um, figure this out. So Google Hangouts Live has been uh, retired. And so that was our show-and-tell platform that we used for almost 10 years. We had over 300 shows. We did a show-and-tell every single week. And Google Hangouts Live is gone. One of the cool things about it is it would broadcast to YouTube. So there's a new service called StreamYard, and we tried that, and you can see the results of that in the um, the link that I posted with Katni for the, um, the recap of her changing lives through open source passion and mentoring, and then the last week's show and tell. And then going forward, um, for the folks that are here that are sometimes on the show and tell, just look for the link in Discord. And not only can we broadcast to YouTube, but it also allows us to broadcast to lots of other places. So theoretically, it's 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 a bit of an upgrade. Um, it's a little different than, than Show and Tell, but it works kind of the same, where people are all on the same screen sharing their projects. Uh, pros and cons to every streaming platform. But for our community, it seems like it's working out pretty well. So, so far, so good. So looking forward to seeing some of you on StreamYard with us or, or just watching on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitch, mixer and probably for another one. And with that is community news.
0: Thanks so much, Phil. Bye. All right. So next up is the state of Circuit Python and the libraries. So the first look is overall. And overall we had 13 pull requests merged over the last week. I see some new names. Uh derelict and LBertrandDC. DC. Um, I have not seen before and we had five reviewers and also excellent is that there's a name I haven't seen as a reviewer as well, which is Matt Land. So thank you to our new people. Thank you to everybody who has been um, putting in uh, PRs and um, taking a look at them. That's been super great. We had seven closed issues by five people and five opened by four people. So overall, we're net down two which is also good. Um, So let's see, next up is the core, and with that, I will turn it over to Scott.
3: Hello. All right. Uh, In the last week, we had three pull requests merged from myself, Dan, and Jeff Epler. Uh, Two reviewers, myself and Dan, we have 18 open pull requests, which is a lot. Um, But I've been out and in New York, so hopefully we'll get through those. And Dan's out this weekend as well, so uh, this number should go down quite a lot in the next couple days. Uh, Issues-wise, we had two closed issues by two people and three open by two people uh, for a total of 187 open issues, uh, which is definitely up a bit. Um, we have seven active milestones uh i added uh 500 issues and 5xo features uh that's like if the feature we got in would create a like 5.1 or 5.2 release uh, and then also a bug fix uh milestone as well which is 5.xx uh, dash bug fixes and we have nine issues not assigned to milestone as well so uh let's I will take a look at all this stuff now as I get caught up. Download stats by board. We actually only have one release out right now. We have a stable 4.1.0. We will do a 5.0 alpha or beta soon, probably this week sometime. But downloads wise for the 4.10 stable, we've had 1,459 downloads. And that came, it's been about a week. so. Uh, Again, it's just a reminder that lots more people download our stable releases than the unstable releases because the 4.1.0 RC1 uh, for its entire lifetime has only had 362 downloads, uh, even though they're actually identical. And uh, those are the stats for the core.
0: Thanks, Scott. Mm -hmm. Next up is the libraries. So we had 10 pull requests merged. Um, all of our new people are in our authors and reviewers here and I can't remember if DC Brichetti is also new um, I wanted to call them out as well uh, because I think they might be um, We had our six authors and five reviewers including Matt Land. Thank you again uh, We have 33 open pull requests, which is about where we've been hovering some of these are long-term others of these are not and reviewing is a great way to get started with CircuitPython and reviewing the libraries is uh, an excellent place to start. You can take a look at them and sometimes there's even something as simple as a typo that got missed and you may want to um, post a comment on there. um, If it's not something you can test but it's something you took a look at, simply say, I didn't test this but it looks good. Um, Every kind of review helps us and it's always uh, a good place. To start, we had five issues closed by four people and two open by two people, which gets us down to 125 open issues. There's a link to all those issues in the notes uh, on CircuitPython.org, which is finally getting updated. Um, and we had um, no new libraries in the last week, but we had uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, six. Um, updated libraries so we've we've been getting PRs merged and releases out um, on on six new library or six updated libraries rather and that sums up the libraries which also sums up the state of circuit python and the libraries so next up is hug reports um hug reports is our answer to bug reports which is to say we like to take the opportunity to call people out for doing something good um, and just to bring a little more positivity to everything, um, which I think is definitely needed. So uh, this section will be done in a round robin. Um, And that means it starts with me and I will go down the list alphabetically and um, if there are people who put notes in the document that are um, not in the meeting. I will read those meeting read those notes out uh, in alphabetical order, and then we'll continue on with the people that are in the list. When we reach the bottom, we'll jump back to the top and um, continue down the list until we reach me again. So it's. Uh, I'll start as an example. The idea is just if you know you've got any kind of thing um, to say about um, something that happened over the course of the uh, week. Um, And we also just love uh, group hugs. So, you know, it doesn't have to be something specific if you don't have anything specific to say. So I will start um, taking time codes. So that is when you hear me typing. Um, I want to thank Tan Newt, Scott, for running the meetings for me while I was out. I was gone over the course of many Mondays. And um, so Scott ran the meeting uh, many times in a row and I really appreciate it. Uh, group hug for the community. It's always nice to be able to be gone for a period of time and know that everything is still going to be running smoothly when I come back. I want to thank Phil and the for hosting my talk for Circuit Python Day. Um, and then these are sort of from the last few weeks um, and more related to my keynote. Uh, I want to thank Sedacious and Maker Melissa for letting me share their story in my keynote. And I want to say thanks to Crayola, Wolf, Dan H, and Scott and everyone else who put so much time into helping me to get where I am. Thank you for being mentors and friends. And that's me. Um, so next up is in the notes. Um, uh, okay, um, this is from Crayola. Uh, thanks to Tan Newt for the code review on the work in progress pixel buff API harmonization with PyPixelbuff. Uh, thanks to Katney for her amazing and inspiring keynotes, both the one at PyOhio and the one on Circuit Python Day, and a group hug to the community for continuing to be awesome and being a place that inspires so many. And next up is Maker Melissa.
4: Hello. Hi. Hi. Uh, just a second here. The document closed on me. Okay, finding the place. Okay, um, oh yeah. Oh, first, of all, I wanted to give a yeah, me some questions on my first guide collaboration with you, mm-hmm. and also a um a hug to community members who started contributing, to Blanca.
0: Excellent. Yeah. Thanks. Next up is. Mike Barella.
5: Sorry about that. Um, so this week, um, I want to give a group hug to everybody who made Circuit Python Day a huge success. Um, we we had a lot of material, a lot of people participated, and. Uh, uh, it was all over social media, mainly Twitter. So uh, thank you all who participated and made this great.
0: All right. Thanks much. Uh, let's see. Um, next up, I see Mr. Certainly is lurking. So next up is Sedacious.
6: I just wanna give a quick and um again do hug report to c grover for being an awesome teacher and always being there to help me with questions when i have them i really appreciate it and um yeah thanks again
0: all right next up i have some notes from Summersoft, who is text only today uh, hugs to adafruit uh, scott catney and the community for the inaugural CircuitPython python day And group hugs squared. And next up is Scott.
3: Hello. Uh, Thank you to Phil and Lamour uh, for hosting Becca and I in New York City. It was super fun. We had a great time. And now we're back and ready to rock and roll this week. Um, Thanks to everyone who participated in CircuitPython Day. It turned out uh, even better than I think we had hoped. And we're already super excited for next year. And uh, lastly, thanks to Marty, Brent, and Trevor for the in-depth discussions uh, we had in person about CircuitPython and and what's next for the future. It's going to be super exciting. Thanks, Scott. Thank you.
0: Next up is Brent.
2: Hello, um, hug to Adafruit and people who did the uh, CircuitPython day streams. I watched a few of them, and they're really good. Um, Scott for hanging out with me last Thursday and diving into LCDs and getting me set up, debugging, and doing core work. And Adam for pointing me in the right direction for tracking down a bug, which I'm still tracking down within Mini MQTT.
0: Excellent. Carter is lurking, and next up is C. Grover.
7: Well, again, a group hug for the team and the community. Uh, 4.1.0 was working almost magically. And then thanks to Scott for the amazing speed up of display IO for TFTs. I'm really looking forward to what he does with OLEDs as well. And then I want, thank, um, I want to thank Sedacious for giving me the opportunity to do some hard thinking when he asks me some great questions.
0: All right. Thank you very much. Next, I have Dan in the notes. who is out um, but has notes in here. So uh, hug to Devoe for his SD card work, to Jay Upler for multiple PRs, to Jerry N for testing and filing issues, to PT, Lady Ada, Scott, and Katney for CircuitPython day videos, and f- to PT, Lady Ada, and Scott for having the vision for CircuitPython and we have a couple of people lurking, and that means next up is Uh, Teshupu. Growpack. Excellent. All right, next up I have some notes uh, from someone who is text only. And that's uh, fade 2 a hug to Maker Melissa for helping me port Adafruit Python Platform Detect to a Linux risc v board. And next up is Hire Effect.
8: Uh Group hug everybody for a really great CircuitPython day and um, thanks to Scott and Dan for helping me out with uh, some flash issues.
0: Excellent. Next up is Jay Epler.
9: Hi, I want to send out a big group hug to everybody. Um, And thanks for filing those issues. They are always fun to chase down and PR. And I also wanted to uh, thank first time pull request submitter Matthew Newberg. Um, He's working on a patch to improve the quality of images on LCD displays by dithering. And it looks pretty neat.
0: Very cool. Thanks very much. Next up is Jerry N.
10: Hi. Um, so just a quick uh, thanks to uh, Jay Epler for the quick fix to the HID issue that cropped up in, in 5.0, and uh, to uh, Dave Astels for the, the cool Minesweeper game. A lot of fun, brings back a lot of memories.
0: All right. Thanks very much. And that sums up Hug Reports. Thank you, everyone. So next up is Status Updates. Status updates is an opportunity for us to sync up, to find out what everyone's up to, to discuss uh, what we've been doing over the last week, and what we're going to be doing over the next week. Uh, so take a couple minutes, talk about what you're working on. Um, if you're lurking, we will obviously pass you. If you are text only, let us know. We'll read off um, your uh notes, either from Discord or from the notes doc. Um, I will start again as an example and then we will head down the list alphabetically uh, exactly the same way we did for hug reports. So I was out uh, the last two weeks, more than that, but I worked uh, the last two weeks. So I was out Monday through Wednesday two weeks ago and then Monday last week. So two weeks ago, I worked on the Pi Ruler guide and the fritzing object for the Pi Ruler. Those went out uh, to like the end of um, a week ago Friday. And then last week, I worked on the guides and fritzing objects for the 1.3 inch, 1.54 inch, and 2.0 inch IPS TFT LCDs. I worked with Melissa on that, so thanks very much Melissa for your help with that. Um, I fixed an issue with the fab print for the ultimate USB or GPS. Um, It turns out that the um, dimensions on it were from the previous iteration of the board and not the current iteration, so thank you to um, whomever caught that and brought it to our attention. And I started to work on and routed the TLV 493D breakout. It is a 3D magnetic sensor and um, I am designing the breakout for it. So over the course of the next week, or this week, I guess, um, I'm gonna finish up the TLV493D. I think the only thing left to do on that is the silk screen. Um, and then I'm going to be remaking a MicroPython OLED Watch in CircuitPython. It's one of the original MicroPython guides. And we are ready for it to be in CircuitPython since we now have OLED support in Display.io. So that's what I'm gonna be doing over this week. Um, I will be traveling on Thursday. And then what I'm gonna be working on while I am not here uh, is on a guide on how to work with PyLint. So that will no longer be a mystery. You will be able to install it locally and not have to fight with Travis to lint your code. It will be linted before you um, put in your PR. So that should be super handy um, and I think uh, really needed. Uh, And as well, at some point, I'm going to be going through all the CircuitPython board guides and making sure they're all pointed to the right CircuitPython versions. There are banners on some of them that say, if you're still running 2.0, please update to 3.0. We need to change those banners to be more broad and say, if you're running an earlier version please update to the latest that sort of thing Um, and now's a good time before we make a bunch more boards so i'm going to be going through those and making sure that they're all happy uh, and ready to go so that is me Um, next i have some notes in the document from crayola Uh, unable to make the meeting but wanted to provide a status update Worked on PixelBuff to make it use strings for byte order configuration, like PyPixelBuff instead of classes. This freed up some flash space. Managed to get Adafruit.star.py and NeoPixel.py working with the PixelBuff API changes, but still need to push to a fork and test when frozen in. Performance gain using PixelBuff are very noticeable. And managed to squash most bugs, but still have testing to go. Hopefully this coming week, have some PR feedback to address get and NeoPixel.py compatible with the newer PixelBuff pushed, and test frozen in NeoPixel.py. Next up is Maker Melissa.
4: Hello. Okay, so last week I worked on completing the code sections for the 1.3-inch, 1.54-inch, and 2.0-inch IPS TFT LCD guides. I finished up the rest of the shields and feather display guides, and I updated the Arduino example codes uh, to include those new 1.3-inch uh, and 2.0-inch displays. And this week, I'm going to be working on breakout board guides and other stuff that comes up.
0: Excellent. Yeah. Thanks very much. Uh, next up is Mike Barella
5: hello um I've been lurking a lot lately because my circuit Python work is oftentimes behind the scenes uh I'm uh, the final editor for the newsletter, and uh I do that every week after um, all the material comes in from the community and uh phil uh gathers it all up and Katni and Scott add theirs, and then it all comes to me to make it look pretty. So um, I s- strongly suggest if you like CircuitPython to uh, subscribe to our weekly newsletter, it's only weekly, you're never spammed, uh, your, your email address is not shared with anyone, It's that's why it's a different domain than adafruit.com to try to um, ensure that. Um, uh, no login or anything. Just uh, enter your email address, and you'll get Circuit Python goodness every Tuesday before noon Eastern time. So uh, please consider doing that. And uh, I have been working on some uh, Circuit Python. Um, about a year ago, we came up with uh, a slideshow module that you could use for we we had it when the Halloween came out um, around Halloween, and uh, with all the the good display work that uh, Scott has been doing, and and all that uh, that library, the slideshow library, has been updated to use DisplayIO, and and uh, so you get all the goodness that comes with that, including speed ups and and everything. So. Um, there's a new guide that should be out, perhaps today, um, probably not later than tomorrow, to uh, um, show you how to use that, um, along with some sample pictures and everything. So if you have circuit, a uh, circuit Python device like a uh, Pi Portal, Pi Gamer, Pi Badge, um, and some of the upcoming. Uh, products that are being envisioned, then this is a natural. I mean, if you want a slideshow on a badge or you want to have pictures of your pets displayed or whatever you want in slideshow format, it's now easier and better. And I think it's only like 10 lines of Python code, and that includes like line wrapping. So it's it's very compact. Uh, Basically, anybody can tweak this and get a slideshow up within a few minutes. So look for that soon.
0: Yeah. Thanks for updating that. Okay. Next up is Sedacious.
6: Howdy, howdy, howdy. So, I've been up to. I'm um, on a bunch of STEMA QT boards, um, both new, brand new ones that fit the mold well, and then updating also existing ones to add them to the available STEMIQT breakouts. Uh, We got the uh, VCNL 4040 and the DS3502 both designed by Gatney out the door last week. So it's nice to see people seeing what what that form factor is going to be like. Um, So yeah, we got more of those coming down the pike. Um, I started wiring my house, my uh, living room, and my office with NeoPixels. feathers and uh, airlift, so I can have a NeoPixel IoT house that I can do all kinds of fun stuff with, turn my house to a rave of a flick of a button if I wish to. Um, so yeah, that's what I've been working on. We've got more stuff coming down the line. I finally debugged the uh, OLED bonnet, figured out what was going on with that. So we got a rev C of that coming out, or rev B of that coming out soon. Um, it's close to getting out the door, but we'll see how that goes. Um, and uh, I think that's that's mainly it. Yeah, yep, that's it for me.
0: All right, sounds good. Thank you very much. Next up, I have some notes from Summersoft who is text only. So last week, uh, mixer voice. Non-DSP capable M0 got 8-bit unsigned and 16-bit signed mixing and level gain working. DSP capable M4 started working on 8-bit unsigned. ASM is difficult. This week, Mixer Voice keep pushing on DSP 8-bit unsigned. Next up is Scott. Hello.
3: As most of you know, I was in New York City last week and uh, while I was there, mostly streamed and chatted with folks at Adafruit HQ. I also did take some time to go do some touristy stuff with my wife, which was super fun. Saw uh, two shows, uh, Puffs and Lion King, and they were both really fun. So recommend them both. Although Puffs is only running for like the, till the end of the week. Um, so uh, uh, while I was on the plane, I. I went through all of the bundle drivers and removed the stop equals keyword arg. Um, there's a pending uh, PR that I did that's been approved that I will just, I need to come up with a plan and exactly what order all of these changes land, but, uh, expect to see a bunch of pull requests from me this week, uh, removing all the stop equals uh, keyword args from all the different drivers. Um, this week, I'm I'm being a bit optimistic and hoping to uh, wrap up the e-paper and the refresh API changes uh, this week as well. Um, that may end up bleeding into next week a little bit, but um, really want to be ambitious about it. Um, I do have a presentation that I'm giving on Wednesday night uh, to our local Puget Sound programming Python group, uh, which is tends to just be known as Puppy. Uh, they asked me to do a talk uh, a couple weeks ago, and I said, "Yeah, I could. I could modify the version of my tear down, Game Boy teardown talk." So I'm, I've started that work, and it should be pretty easy to do. Um, and then the last thing I have on here is, uh, for those of you who saw, GitHub came out with uh, continuous integration, continuous deployment stuff for their GitHub Actions offering. And uh, I plan on switching CircuitPython to using that over uh, Travis at some point soon, when we can. Um, they've got to opt us into the absolute latest version of that, which uses YAML instead of some other syntax for their files. And the exciting thing is, is that they—I pinged them on on uh, Twitter and asked them what their concurrency limit was planned on being, and they said kind of planning on 60 concurrent jobs. So. That is very exciting. Uh, that means that we can split all of our boards apart and uh, run one task per board, hopefully, and and get a lot of speed ups on our Travis build because it's just gotten worse and worse. So um, that should be super cool. And uh, that's it for me.
0: Excellent. Looking forward to that. Me too. All right, next up is Brent.
2: Hello. I um figured out an issue within Mini MQTT, which cropped up another issue as I was figuring it out, which is really confusing. Um, I've been working on bug fixing it and doing some refactoring of the code to make it more legible uh, today and hopefully tomorrow. Um, I assembled a PyPortal Mega last week, created a variant for Arduino and CircuitPython. Um, thanks, Scott, for helping me get started with LCD work and core work. Um, also, we fixed the bug within IO while we were at it. And then this week, um, I'm going to review some PRs, uh, specifically the ESP32, AP, PR, and then the Ethernet work um, for the Wiznet 1500. And then I want to hopefully fix this, even though I kind of have it working, but I want it really working. And hopefully release parts of it over the course of the next week or two.
0: Okay, sounds good. Next up is C. Grover.
7: Well, let's, I tried to um, run some performance sensitive MIDI sniffer code on the Pi Portal and Pi Gamer this week. And the Pi Gamer just surprised me. It was much faster than the Pi Portal and is so fast that I'll be able to use it for my portable MIDI sniffer. Pretty happy about that. Nice. I posted a, a, a video link to the test. Um, So the Pi Gamer and the Pi Badge are going to make some excellent candidates for standalone portable projects where the front panel is already included, which is kind of cool. This week, I'm going to focus on wrapping up um, a Stemma 16-bit DAC project, a couple of mini 10-volt boost breakouts, which are really handy in the Eurorack realm, and I've got a bunch of MIDI projects coming up. Uh, I've got two board designs that are going to head to Osh Park later this week. And one is a feather wing that can be used to provide Stemma and Stemma QT connections to existing feathers and feather wings. It gives me an opportunity to use my classic MIDI interface wing standalone, which is going to be handy. And then uh, I just discovered last night how to output MIDI from my digital audio workstation to my Eurorack setup. So... That's going to be a huge distraction this week. Um, You can imagine sweetening some existing recordings with synth sounds from the rack, uh, all synchronized to the existing live tracks. It's like having a step sequencer of unlimited length, infinitely programmable tempo, and and with an unlimited number of voice channels. It's just blowing my mind, so I'm going to have a lot of fun with that.
0: Excellent. All right. Thank you very much. Next up is Dave Brachetti. Hello. Hello.
11: Here's my report. Um, Last week I showed a little picture of 3D animation of uh, balls flying in the air, and I said I had a goal of using the Circuit Playground Express's accelerometer to control that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've made that, but I'm having trouble reliably reading the serial data from the CPX, and so maybe Somebody send me an example of a little Python program that reliably reads from the serial ports. And then, uh, Katni, you helped me polish an example of um, mapping accelerometer data to NeoPixel colors. Mm-hmm. But a new example, which is, um, it looks like gravity is pulling a white pixel. Um, down as you change the orientation of the CPX. And that one may be more you want to use as um, I know you want to keep the examples kind of simple, but uh, anyway, there it is. And this week I probably will have to turn to some work, (laughs) but I'll be back.
0: Um, Do me a favor and ping me with um, directly with that example. We might, because I I love the idea of you being able to submit more examples regardless of how complicated they are. And so maybe we make a folder in that repo that is you know, more advanced examples or something. And uh, we start including things there as well.
11: Great idea. Well, there's already a pull request there. And I oh, noted in there kind of what I said here that okay. you might want to consider complicated. But that sounds great. So that's all, right. all from
0: me. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. Sure. And thank you for sticking through that uh, lengthy back and forth in the PR. All right. Oh,
11: that was educational for me. It's great. Thanks.
0: Yep. All right. Next up, I have some notes from Dan, who is missing the meeting. Uh, enhanced BLE descriptor functionality. Added specification of permissions and length information for characteristics and descriptors internal refactoring. This is all in support of HID. Initial implementation of Python HID library now being debugged. Next up is Shipu. OK, so last time I showed a
12: conference batch I was uh, uh, designing that's based on the Pew Pew. So that batch is now in production. And uh, the conference is next month. So that's uh that's on time uh another thing i was working this week on is the pew, pew m4 also known as the micro game turbo because i kind of merged the two projects together now and uh, i was working on uh, getting the bootload the, the custom bootloader for it to to be configured properly it's quite ingenu- ingenious uh uh the way the, the make code bootloader has all the configuration for the code inside of it. Uh, so that's, that's that. And uh, yeah, that's it. Thank you. All right. Uh, if, if time allows, I, I'm going to work on uh, audio support for MicroPython for the ESP32 port in the state library because apparently they have. Uh, DAC support now in there, so so it should be possible to have uh, WAV files playing. Nice. Uh, Also MicroPython, not just CircuitPython. So that's it.
0: Excellent, thank you. Next up is Effect.
8: Okay, so um, so for the last couple weeks, I've been kind of consolidating everything uh, going on in the STM32 port for uh, CircuitPython. Uh, which includes getting just everything, all the different, the two different discovery boards that we're supporting, just making sure that all the features were lining up across those, getting uh, bus IO working, um, and then shooting for, uh, in the next couple of days, getting full uh, flash support because we previously only had support over UART, um, hoping to get full flash support over uh, USB so that you know, it's a uh, circuit Python board of the kind that on the uh, Atmel and NRF. Um, and then, uh, and so bundling with that, um, a completed version of bus IO and, and a completed version of, of, uh, analog IO. So that we'll have, uh, kind of the, the whole package of bus IO analog digital uh, and USB support on stm 32 which will be uh, kind of an exciting first step for that. For that, I may take a step back and just kind of document the process that it took to get to that point. Future ports to, you know, Cypress or, NR- or um, NXP or whatever other boards might come down the pipeline in the future mm-hmm. um, would have But I'm up to.
0: All right. Thanks very much. Uh, Jason is lurking, so next up is Jay Epler.
9: Good afternoon again. Uh, This past weekend, I got to play with CircuitPython a fair bit. I chased a SAMD audio bug that had to do with DMA channels. I uh, saw that there's a reported PyPortal crash, so I used that as a justification to get some hardware, and I'll be looking into that later this week when I have the hardware. I did opt into the GitHub Actions Beta, which is related to the CI stuff but they put you on a list so I will be waiting and hopefully there will be stuff to do still when uh, I get my permission to work on it and I just wanted to share that um, I use metafilter.com as kind of a social discussion website and I made a post about Pi Ohio, and it's gotten a modest positive response so if you uh, are a Metafilter person hello and otherwise stop in it's a great place for for hanging out with people
0: all right, thanks very much. Next up is Jerry.
10: Hi, um, so a little more time to play with stuff this week. So I stumbled across a couple of issues uh, in, in 5.0. Um, one was uh, uh, the uh, keyboard HID broke, but uh, thanks Jeff, uh, J. Deppler fixed it pretty quickly and uh, now it's working again. And um, let's see, oh, and I also stumbled across a, an issue with the Pi Portal that, that that's still out there, I think, and that it, um, at least on, on 5.0, only if you run certain programs, and I still haven't exactly pictured which ones. They seem to be ones that use Display I/O. Um, if you do a hard reset, it'll run just fine. And then if you stop it, you know, Control C, and then do a Control D, hard soft reboot, and try and run the code again, it goes to soft to to safe mode with a, a hard fault uh very repeatable um and um you know um there's a test program out in the issue that, that pretty short one but i i am not finding coming across any any good reason for it but it only seems to happen right now in the pi portal i tried it on a pi gamer and can't get it to happen so
0: mm-hmm.
10: kind, of a, kind of an issue a puzzling one there and uh, i'm trying to, to i tried to put a an swd connector on my pipe portal and that that went disastrously trying to hand solder it so I finally broke down and ordered myself a, a little hot air station. You've so. been there. <laughs> Looking forward to having that tool to uh, save save some future boards. And um, I think I may be able to resurrect this board once I get the station to, to fix the the capacitor I think I fried. So. Um, and let's see. Otherwise, just I did get some time to play with some of the new BLE stuff. That's been a lot of fun. And um, so far, you know, the only problems I've had have been my own confusion. It's all working really well. Um, I'm trying it on a bunch of different NRF boards, and they, they've all been working fine. So Dan's done a really nice job at getting that that out there. And I got a new weed whacker today, so woohoo! I'm Excellent, this good.
0: <laughs> new tools are always fun.
7: Yeah.
0: All right, and that is status updates. So next up is in the weeds, and uh, this is the opportunity for more long-form discussions. Um, If you have anything you want to discuss in the weeds, please add it to the notes document or post it to the CircuitPython channel so we can paste it into the notes document. But I already have three in the weeds topics for today in the notes document, so we are going to do those in order and I would like to first turn it over to Jay Epler.
9: Hi. So uh, this is something that has been on my mind for a while, but it was prompted again by seeing Fons of Fall run into trouble. Uh, He has a Trellis M4 with CircuitPython. And I think something went wrong with the content of the program on there. And so the idea is, what if we ship a UF2 file that fully reinitializes the board, including the bundled program to what would have come from the original manufacturer? Um, so I see benefits to this. If it is scriptable and part of the build process, it's repeatable. This option will help users, which is really where I started from. And, uh, once it's done, we can go back and say, oh, it was a 3.1 board. What was in main.py in 3.1 and go back and get and see that. And then it's possible that for board manufacturers having one UF2 file, Um, would remove a step from their manufacturing process, but that's just speculation. Now the downsides are, if a user uses the wrong UF2 file, now they've destroyed their program, their main.py. It would double the number of build artifacts and we are running up against some limits on that. Mm -hmm. And we would have to do some work for every board that would include getting those initial files from whoever has them or from guides or whatever. Uh, But at that point they would kind of become the official and so I have written an alpha quality program that can create a file system with all the stuff that Circuit Python puts on it when it formats it internally, and it's called mkfatimage. There's a link to that GitHub uh, within the document notes. Mm-hmm. So, is this idea worth uh, pursuing? Anybody have any thoughts?
0: So, we are our, our way of dealing with this. Um was that there is a uh, GitHub repo that has all of the ships, or at least that's the plan, has all of the shipped software for every board. So- Okay. We, I was
9: not aware that was out there. So that would be great to know about. Yeah. It doesn't
3: actually have everything though. That's the problem. No, no
0: it doesn't. And it's, it's still a work in progress. And that was why I said in theory, mm. um, but that was, that was in theory, like our, our answer to people losing the initial code was that we wanted to have a GitHub repo that um, that had all that uh, available. Um, I can see a lot of things going wrong with this idea, but I also completely understand where you're coming from with it. It's, it's an excellent concept. Um, Scott, do you yeah. have thoughts on this?
3: Yeah, so I think I would worry about people accidentally overwriting their own code, but I do yeah, also that's think that's the number
9: one thing that I worry about too.
3: Yeah, but I do th- I do like this idea of being able to get back to default state entirely pretty quickly, and I think it's going to get more interesting, especially if we go to the IMX RT series, which is what the c Four is. Uh, it's going to be interesting because the code of like CircuitPython would actually be stored on the same QSPY probably as the like user's actual program as well. Um so theoretically I I kind of imagine us moving to a UF2 for that chip series that actually is flashing. Like the bootloader and the the bootloader and CircuitPython and the file system all live on a QSPy flash.
9: Oh uh, yeah. I wasn't really thinking about uh the fact that on so many of these boards it's a separate flash where the file system is. So UF2 wouldn't really work.
3: Well, that doesn't, it, it wouldn't work currently, but there, like, what I'm, I, I guess what I'm saying is that like we should probably add the ability to flash a by flash from UF2. Mm.
12: Um,
3: if we want to have a UF2 bootloader for like the IMXRT, like that's, I think, where we're going. Now that, that still leaves the question of whether we want to deal with, uh, like flashing the entire thing as one unit, or whether we want to actually maybe have two U F two files where they have different regions of the same memory that they're flashing. Um, so yeah, I don't know exactly, but I think you're on the right track. And as I, I think the first step is probably just kind of what Katney's pointing out of like we have this repository that was meant to be that thing um but it's just we haven't done the legwork to get the code out in the open to do that um internally at adafruit like that code goes along with tester code Mm -hmm. um and i've pushed a little more to get it there but it's it's one of those things where it's like we really need to find somebody else within adafruit who has access to that stuff to get it moved over um so yeah it's i i think I think you're on the right track, but I think that the the first step is actually just getting all of the the sample code and kind of like as as shipped stuff documented and and published all right
9: um well, uh, if if this ever comes back around to being something to work on now, please give me a ping and okay. I'll throw in my effort.
3: Yeah, the other just to wrap it up, the other place that that code can live is on the product guides themselves. Uh, we we do sometimes put it as a download on the like final page of the guide. Um, is the other place to look?
0: It might almost be worth using the uh, GitHub embed, like putting it on that uh, repo that we created for it and then embedding it yeah that way it's in one place we're not trying to update the learn guide when we change the code right um, yeah and it's
3: weird it's weird too because we may actually want like multiple circuit python versions worth of the code that comes on the devices
0: mm-hmm.
3: as well, even if we didn't ship with it necessarily so yeah it's a it's definitely something we should figure out. How we do it exactly, I think, is is complicated. Um, Although okay. the other play, the other way we could do it was just order a bunch of the devices and just snag everything off of them. <laughs> to be
9: honest, it feels silly to have to go about it that way.
3: Uh, it does, but that's that's one way to do it. So I don't know. Between all of us in this call, we could probably get most of them.
0: Yeah. Um, I will, uh, I will give this some thought and I will, um, Jeff, I'll ping you offline.
9: Okay. That's great.
0: Um, and maybe we can talk about, uh, whether or not this is something we want to, you know, like how we want to go about it. Um, and what makes the most sense. And then whether there's, uh, whether there's something you can do. Um, okay so i'm making a note all right um excellent so uh next up i've got something in the notes from Summersoft, who i believe is still text only um, i'm not hearing otherwise so i will go ahead and read it all right i will read it off uh, regarding mixer voice, there are currently function stubs for 8-bit signed and 16-bit unsigned source formats. To my knowledge, these are quite rare. file doesn't even support them. Should they be supported or dropped?
9: I Drop. think dropped. I'm pretty sure that uh, in the audio PWM work I did, uh, it looks like the assumption is that 8-bit is, uh, the the sign is inferred from the number of bits. Um, So, we would be wrong at a lot of levels if we got one of those files.
3: Seconded.
0: All right. There you go, Somersoft. Um, Next up, I have one from someone who is not in the meeting, which is excellent.
12: Sorry, that's me. That's oh. my, my work login. Oh, gotcha. OK. <laughs> so
0: we had Mystery Deshipu, uh, who has one. And I will turn it over to you then, if you'd like to talk about it.
12: Yeah, OK. So I looked at the maker code uh, bootloader uh, stuff because I wanted my console to be compatible with that. Right. And I discovered that they have this pretty interesting configuration format for uh basically the definition of the board, basically the stuff that we have in pins.h or mm-hmm. pins.c uh, in the in our board definitions. And uh, as far well as I know, at least the the, the boards, the other fruit boards that are compatible with maker code arcade also have that in the bootloader. So mm-hmm. I, I just chose maybe First of all, how hard it would be to have a library for reading that information. Mm-hmm. Can we do that in, in plain Python or would we need uh, some uh, C helper for this? And uh, the second thing, uh, once it's there, why not use it, why not, you know? Uh, for instance, the uh, initialization code for the display uh, could use that automatically instead of, of having to be uh, manually, uh, you know, initialized in the board, uh, file and so on. So I, I, am just, I, I don't really see, uh, a lot of benefits from that other than the fact that it's already there. So maybe mm-hmm. it's, it's, it would be nice to follow a standard and have the information in one place. Maybe, I don't know. Just, uh, I thought I will throw it out there
3: yeah i think um in terms of reading it like i wouldn't be against adding a way from c to just basically read bytes uh, from memory and that should be enough for it um writing gets trickier because then people can really screw themselves um but i wouldn't necessarily be against that as well i think it's it's a huge uh, huge risk to allow people to write memory, but reading memory is probably okay. Uh, although I guess you could probably hang yourself pretty hard if you read the wrong thing. Yeah, um, if
12: those are registers, then even reading them can have side effects
3: right, right. right. Um, so yeah, I mean, maybe some like, maybe some kind of advanced, C module that just allows memory access and then like sets a flag so that if you safe mode or whatever, like we say, like, oh, you were doing this dangerous thing. Like, it's probably that.
12: Yeah. So actually that, that's a separate thing about uh, that would allow us to also experiment and have mm-hmm. things like sleep support, for instance, initially implemented in Python. Right. Right. And, and then, you know, uh, re-implement that in C when, when it works. Or... Yeah,
3: yeah, and it would be very dangerous because, like, you definitely not have any security because you'd be able to poke and poke and peek the uh, the C, the circuit Python memory as well, which would be
12: yeah. Fortunately, we don't have users in there. So...
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we don't, we don't, we've never pretended to be secure in the first place. Um, I don't know. I think uh, I I don't think we're going to get away from the model of like download. This version of CircuitPython for this board, um, which I think is what they were trying to get away. Well, there the reason that they have to do it is that their downloads, their UF2 downloads, are actually all the same, right? Like, um, you only select the architecture, right? Right, right, but not the board. Um, yeah, I think it's potentially interesting, but I don't think I don't think I would change the way that we do board in it. Uh, from the start. Because we're going to want to add different pin names and stuff too. Okay. Um,
5: that's
3: that's y- fair, fair. It's, it's fair. worth looking at. And being aware of.
0: Okay. Excellent. So next up I have something from Hierofact. If you would like to talk about it.
8: Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, just hoping to check in. I, I think this has come up before, um, uh, I've seen some references to it. But just wondering about the um, kind of the obstacles uh, for uh, implementing standby on uh, so that you can enter a low-power state uh, with circuit python, Because um, I've had a couple of questions from that, from just kind of the local commander Emmy, uh particularly given the new e-paper support because paper is, you know, super low power and can hold its display when you're in standby mode. um, particular for, like, sensors uh, and uh, and battery run applications, I've just been getting a lot of interest for that, so I was just hoping to really? check back on for that and, you know, what, what kind of quantity of work would need to be done to, to do that.
0: Yeah,
3: so I think uh the, there is a, a one of our oldest issues is exactly around sleep. Um so I would definitely just chime in there and follow that conversation. Like let's still have conversations there. I think somebody recently just took a stab at it again. I forget who it was. Um but the gist is that it's it's actually a bit tricky to figure out when it's okay to go into sleep um because CircuitPython has this model of like being able to run things in the background for you. Um, So like if you are doing audio playback and then call sleep, what happens? Um, If you're doing a PWM out and you call sleep or do time.sleep, like what happens? Um, The USB connection is another example. Bluetooth is an example as well. So I think, yeah, it, uh, so, it's tricky and it's worth working on. Like we do want to do it at some point, but to do it right, I think is hard.
8: Is the uh so is the the concern mostly that you would leave the user in a state that on recovery would be wonky like like you'd be entering uh, an unexpected the program would lose track of, of what's going on like um Yeah, I guess I guess uh, what what like if it was hacked together what would be the big disadvantages of the hacked version?
3: Uh, well, presumably you want your VM, like you want to preserve all your memory um, so that when you wake back up, you start where you left off. Um, I don't know if that's always the case with the way that, that so- C developers
12: do it we we could we could start with uh, a deep sleep thing uh, similar to how the esp 8266 does it okay where you basically puts your uh, microcontroller in a, in a low power mode and the only way of exiting that mode is through restart so you can you can save some uh, bits in the uh, non volatile memory uh, to tell your program what to do on the next
3: restart, but right. basically
12: you, you, your program, when when you call sleep, your program ends.
3: It's more, yeah, it's stop.
12: <laughs> yeah, and uh, that's that's still very useful because uh, on many on many platforms you can uh, first schedule the restart at some uh, some uh, delay, mm-hmm. so it only sleeps for a certain amount of time and then restarts. Right. So that's useful for periodic uh, things like uh, Pi Portal uh, refreshing, for instance, or right. things like that, because the display doesn't have to be switched off, right? It can right. keep displaying. Right. And Maybe. Uh, Maybe. then, yeah. yeah, and on some platforms you can even uh, set up like interrupts that will restart it, so it will. You can you can have a like a Pi Gamer console that goes to sleep and wakes up when you when you press a button right right it doesn't uh, well it, it starts from the beginning but it switches on when you press a button then you can remove then you can skip the power buttons on all of your devices basically yeah because you just put them in low power mode and, and they go to sleep so i i think that would be the easiest way to implement and already gives us a lot of uh, uh, functionality
3: right my concern, my concern with that is that it's hard. Like my ideal for the way sleep works is like whenever people are calling time.sleep 60 seconds, we just sleep, right? Like, and then it picks up where it left off. like:
12: Yeah, well, but that, that, that's a huge uh, especially on, on the uh, Sunday de- <laughs> platforms where you have all the timers in there that can be in different configurations. And then you have to disable those timers or reconfigure them to actually enter certain modes and and so on, so on. This is a huge can of worms.
6: I, I don't know. I'm, I'm maybe missing some stuff that would make this idea hard, but I feel like there's a lot of merit to what I think is what Radomir is proposing, which is like, yes. Our sleep is going to be a stop running and our resume is going to be start over. Right. And right. we can just, you know, figure out whatever we can either save some state that we can do things differently when we resume or however else. But just the okay, you know, tie up all the loose ends and shut down for now and when I reboot I'll I'll do something else mm-hmm. would be I think that by itself, I think would be relatively easy compared to the alternatives and have a lot of value essentially. So I don't know, just a lot. Yeah.
8: Yeah, I, I feel like just pitching in, you know, the, the ideas that I've heard for this have all been for basically time sleep for sensors, right? Right. Or some kind of some kind of thing that needs to, you know, run for six months and can't be plugged in, right? So it needs to right. be mm-hmm. self up like once twenty four hours, once, you know, uh you know, the, the latest one that I heard was just for, for like farm sensors or something like that. And so, you know, it's not a sleep mode that needs to be, you know, mixed in between functionality. It's really just for the device, um, you know, so that it can it can, you know, hop back on again and maybe recover some stuff out of, of non-volatile memory. So, uh, as I, you know, the, the solution would work great for that. Uh,
6: I think I, maybe it's this is a variation of the same thing as what the higher Effect was just talking about. But I'm just thinking, like, is it possible to allow only like a constrained state to be slept in like where you're not trying to do every bell you're not going to try and resume into full circuit python everything that could have possibly been happening you're just going to say okay when i come out i'm gonna i don't know call this uh thing with this state coming back from the sensor or some 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 way of making you know constraining the scope that we're trying to do right so we don't have to do every bell and whistle i don't know if, to what extent that makes sense or, or
8: conversely could it be possible to maybe force the user to constrain the extent of what their device is doing before entering sleep um, yeah that
6: so, that's you know, that's basically what i was i was kind of proposing is like okay if you want to sleep you can only do these things before you go into sleep.
8: yeah and it like it, it forces the user to do their homework a little bit just you know in terms of like shutting everything down getting ready for sleep right so so get ready for sleep then you can enter sleep. And then you can pop back out of sleep when you need to um, without having all these complications.
3: involved. I am open to people that want to do this, like start from scratch when you come back from sleep. But like, I don't think that's the way that I would do the work. Like, I mean, like,
12: we could have both. I mean, uh, yes, we can yes. have deep sleep uh, right now, basically, because it's easy to implement. Right, And then we can keep working on on the more sophisticated way of doing that,
3: right, right. I'm just saying that like if if I put cycles towards it, I'm gonna do it the way that I think is best for users, which I think is the it sleeps when it can automatically, and you don't need to worry about it. We don't need to like if we do time dot sleep and it sleeps, we don't need to teach you anything else, right like
8: you want you want sleep that's that's an automatic like the way that embed does it or like a real-time operating system does it where it enters sleep when it's not otherwise operating not really so much a standby mode where it's you know it it it's off for like a set amount of time
12: but but then there are there are questions like uh, what should happen with GPIO pins that are set to high for instance should they remain high right because they're draining the battery that way. Yes, and uh, stuff like that.
3: Well, I, I what I'm getting at is like uh, Python already has a way to say I'm not going to do anything for a set amount of time, and that's time.sleep. sleep, <laughs> right? Like,
12: yeah, well, right, right. But uh, I think we want more something like uh, set exit,
3: <laughs> basically. Sure, I, and like I'm, I'm like. If somebody wants to do that work, that's totally fine. And like somebody's already in, like I forget the person that already has a deep sleep module and is experimenting with that. But um...
0: was that Bobrisius? Was it Happy Day? But...
3: <laughs> Happy Day definitely did it at one point, but uh, it was recent that somebody did it. Happy Day did it in the past, and like, know, let me look. I can see if I can find it, but. The point is, is that like happy to see people work on it, but I think the best way to do it is to have sleep be smart, like time dot sleep be smart, and basically whenever any of our code is waiting, we just call into this thing that's smart.
12: Well, but but then, uh, I mean, time sleep only sleeps for a certain time, right? You can only wake up on on uh, on the timer, basically. Right, and uh, you can do things like wake up on a button press.
3: Right, that's true. Don't I pass. think I think
8: the, the um something kind of similar to this, where they have the normal low power mode, which is completely timer run. Um, mm-hmm. But I think they actually it it was based on requests that they're now implementing a full standby mode, which which does kind of the force shutdown of everything. Uh, and puts the puts the system into wake up, and it is a separate system. So it's not their main sleep system anymore. Uh, it's a separate. It's kind of its own whole separate thing, which is the the standby mode, which is you know then you wake up based on a button or whatever else. Right. So, yeah. Right. I think,
12: yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense because this is a, a separate use case, basically. Right. And uh, when people want, uh, uh, when people are asking about low power modes, I think they they want that use case, not not the time sleep thing.
3: Right. The but earlier, my, one, but yeah. my like our audience is not embedded developers, right? Like our audience is to make it easy for the person who's just learning to program and wants to have a thing that reads a temperature every hour, right? Like, and you're going to teach that person time to sleep. You're not going to teach them about sleep states of a of a micro.
8: Right, but but you know, in some cases like waking off of an interrupt is is something that could be worked into a very very beginner level project, right? I mean, and and exposing that I mean, that's that's where a couple of these have come from. is just folks who just want to have a very early or a very simple based wake up. Um but but I definitely hear what you're saying in terms of it being you know a little bit
3: further out there right yeah i i was having a discussion in new york i think with phil a little more about how the fact that we we put a lot of effort under the hood uh into making the api on top very simple which is why i'm trying to push the like like I'm not trying to stop the work that does the more advanced scenario, but I want to make sure that w- that in in the end we serve the people that we're just teaching to write a while true loop with a time dot sleep sixty in it, right? Like, like that should work. That should use as little power as as it
7: can by default. So, yeah.
3: Okay, and yeah, it's so it I is work we're... that we want to do in the future, and I have a feeling we'll probably tackle it when we do the ESP32s2 stuff when when that's closer.
12: Oh, by the way, there uh, are there any plans for that?
3: I think I I think it's safe to say we we will do it. Um, it's just a matter of when we get hardware that actually has working USB.
12: <laughs> that's that's great. That's awesome.
3: So, yeah, we I, we got sample. We got sample stuff, and the samples just don't, like, the USB doesn't work in the samples. Um, If I had the, so no promises, but I think kind of where we're looking is my efforts are going to go into NRF52840 BLE workflow stuff, and then after that, we'll probably tackle the IMXRT, uh, because that's going to unlock some higher power stuff for us, like USB high speed and things like that, and then hopefully around that time, the ESP32S2 will be more uh, viable, and then and then we'll take a look at that. It's kind of like where we're going at this point. Um,
7: always subject, always subject to change, of course, but um, that's kind of the plan now. So yeah. Yeah, and I'll I'll take a look at um,
3: I'll I'll figure out who the latest deep sleep person was. Great, uh, and I'll post a link to that issue
0: right now too. All right, so we can follow up there. Thank you very much, everyone. That was an excellent in the weeds, and I think <laughs> we are ready to wrap up. Uh, let's see, so this has been the Circuit Python Weekly for August 12th, 2019. We are here every week uh, and we uh, post this to both YouTube and to your favorite podcast service. And if we are not on your favorite podcast service, please let us know so we can rectify that situation. Um, thanks everyone for participating. This has been an excellent meeting. I'm glad that everyone could make it. And uh, with that, I want to say thanks everyone and we'll see you next week.
12: Thanks everyone. Thank Thank you. Bye.
7: Thanks everyone.